Praise God, everybody. I said praise God, everybody. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Oh, he's worthy. He's, oh, he's worthy. I said we can't praise him enough. We can't give him the glory and the honor enough. I said, oh, God. I said we can't do it enough. I said we cannot praise him enough. Wow, I could just say, ditto to everything that's been done, and just call it good. Amen. If I didn't feel like I had a message from God, I said, if I didn't feel like I had a message from God, amen, praise God. Somebody just clap your hands one more time. My, 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 my. I don't know who you are today, but you can leave here changed in Jesus' name. My. Hi. Wow. It's uh, great to finally meet your pastor. I've been where he is, and uh, what I mean by that, I've been different places after he'd been there, and uh, so I never got to meet him, but I loved him when I met him, and I don't say that lightly, I loved him. This man has a vision and a purpose for this church. Amen. I'm looking for Brother Betts to do great things in Kansas City. Amen. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn me to, amen, 2 Kings, the third chapter. Thank you, amen, Brother Mayo, for the opportunity. Amen. I'm looking forward to, amen, I know he's got to go to a uh, church dedication. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to getting to pick his brain a little bit. Amen. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to start reading about verse number 5. Amen. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people my horses as thy horses. And he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. And they fetched a compass of seven days journey. And there was no water for the host or for the cattle that followed them. 
And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Saphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And ye shall smite every fenced city, every choice city, and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of the land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold there came, by, came water by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. Notice again verses 16 and 17 where the prophet Elisha said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. Elisha prophesied the word of the Lord to the three kings and told them, ye shall not see wind nor rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. However, before he gave them the promise that the valley would be filled with water. He told them, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. What God speaking through the prophet Elisha was saying was, I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to fill this valley with enough water that you and your men and your cattle and your beasts can drink. 
But first, you're going to have to do something. Thus saith the Lord, you're going to have to dig some ditches. God was informing them, I want you to understand, I'm going to give you the miracle you need. I'm going to give you the water that you so desperately need to survive. But before I do, you're going to have to learn how to dig some ditches. You're going to have to become some ditch diggers. And that's what I want to preach about just for a little bit this morning. Amen. Ditch diggers. Amen. Brother Mayo, would you pray? Let's pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we thank God for your man. We thank God for your word. We thank God for your spirit. Father, we pray that you'll bring all of these elements together and take this service to the next level. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody say amen. Clap your hands as you're seated. Turn and shake hands with somebody and say, look, I'm glad you're here. the story from where we take our text today. We will read where all these three kings and all their armies and animals found themselves in a desperate situation. They had went seven days in the wilderness of Edom and they had no water. Amen. This is an extremely critical circumstance for someone to find themselves in. For water is an absolute necessity of life uh, to all humanity and all other life forms. Uh, where there is water, every aspect of life flourishes. Uh, but where there is no water, where there is absolutely nothing, uh, amen, whether it be plants, uh, animals, or humans that can exist, uh, for each of these things have their own unique need and appetite for this substance. Uh, so we understand uh, that water is not merely an added benefit, an extravagance, or a lavish luxury. Uh, amen. Water is absolutely necessary to sustain life, and without it, you die. Uh, these three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, uh, amen, are now becoming extremely anxious and worried, uh, knowing that unless they get water for their men, their animals, and themselves, they will surely all die. And desperate people do desperate things. And many times in their desperation, these desperate things that people do are foolish things. In this case, the king of Israel foolishly starts blaming God for their predicament. Amen. We read in verse number 10, uh, and the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them uh, into the hand of Moab. Uh, here they are, seven days' journey into the wilderness, uh, amen, of Edom, uh, without water, amen. And instead of calling on God for his help, his direction, and his provision, uh, the king of Israel starts blaming God when all the time it was his fault, not God's. Anybody going to help me preach today? The king of Israel was a negative influence. He was a harmful and adverse influence because his attitude was negative. His attitude was degenerate and destructive. And sometimes the biggest problem we have is those who, with whom we associate with. 
You need to be careful who you form an alliance with. Uh, you need to be careful with whom you allow yourself to become close to uh, and associate with. Uh, you need to continually seek to improve and enhance, uh, amen, your friendship and fellowship circle uh, and eliminate all the whiners, the belly acres, and the complainers. You need to stay away uh, from people with no vision and no passion. Uh, you need to stay away from those that are supposed to be apostolic, uh, but yet they find excuses to stay away from church uh, all the time, let alone during this pandemic. Uh, amen. Your pastor has never pastored through a pandemic before. make some difficult decisions to protect the church, taking everything into consideration from your spiritual growth to legal liabilities that you're not even thinking about. So instead of talking about him uh, and running him down, why don't you try praying for him? Well, I got some of you to say Amen. God help me. Further, you need to stay away from those. Uh, amen. Uh, I said, oh, God help me, Jesus. Uh, amen. You need to stay away from those who are continually negative uh, and spend all their time wallowing in the muck and the mire of self-pity uh, because the wrong association will kill you. Uh, amen. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill your vision. It'll kill your passion. It'll kill your faith. If it hadn't have been for King Jehoshaphat, who knew what the power of a word from God could do, they no doubt would have all died in the wilderness. But we read in the first portion of verse 11 where King Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that may we be inquire of him, the Lord, by him? You see, Jehoshaphat knew that one word from God can change everything. Jehoshaphat knew that a word from God can take what's wrong and make it right. <laughs> That's why God set a divine order in the church. That's why God ordained a preacher and a pastor to preach the word of God to you. It's not because he's trying to be a lord over God's heritage. He's heard from God for you. Amen. That's why preaching of the word is so important. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 states, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What I'm doing right now is foolishness. I said what I'm doing right now is foolishness. But it is the power of them that believe. Oh, come somebody love him right now. Do you really believe it? You need the Word of God in your life. You need to surround yourself with people that want to hear the Word of God and will subject themselves to a pastor and to the preaching of the Word because they know the Word of God can deliver you. The Word of God can change you. And the Word of God is the truth that will make you free.
And Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that may, we may inquire of the Lord by him? He had faith enough in a man of God to believe that if a man of God could just hear from God, that God would provide an answer to their problem. Man, I just felt a check in the Holy Ghost. There's some of you need to learn how to depend on this man. Follow him as long as he follows Christ. He had enough faith in God not to blame him like the king of Israel was. No doubt in our modern vernacular, he said, you know, you can be ignorant if you want. And you can foolishly blame God if you want to. But as for me, all I need are two things to get me out of the mess that you got us into. I need a man of God and I need a word from God. I need a man of God. I need a word from God. God, give me the word. God, give me the word. Some of you in, the, in this place, uh, uh, you're in the same shape these three kings were. Uh, you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness with no water. Uh, and your soul is dry and parched uh, and in desperate need of some life-giving water. Uh, you need to get an attitude like Jehoshaphat had. Uh, and let faith rise up in you uh, till you can believe it just like he did. Uh, and if I can just get the man of God to give me the word of God, uh, I'll get my need met. Uh, I'll get the answer to my problem. Uh, I, God help me. One of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, the prophet Elisha's around here somewhere. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So these three kings set off to do what they should have done in the first place. They went to find the man of God. They went to find Elisha. I want you to notice in verse number 13, when they had found Elisha, the first thing that Elisha did was to rebuke the king of Israel. For he said, what have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of thy mother. Notice the next response of the king of Israel when he told Elisha, nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. The king of Israel knew there was no power in the prophets of Baal. And that's why they never went looking for any of them. Yet, even in the presence of the man of God, he's still blaming God for their problem and their situation. In verse number 14, Elisha then tells the king of Israel, As the Lord of hosts liveth for whom, before whom I stand, uh, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. That's strong words. The only reason Elisha ever intervened in this matter was because of not only the presence of Jehoshaphat, himself, but because Elisha knew Jehoshaphat had enough faith in God to believe that God could and would work on their behalf. 
And if you are ever going to have your need met, you are going to have to be like Jehoshaphat and have faith to believe that God not only can, uh, but that God will work for you. In verse number 15, Amen. Elisha asked for a minstrel to be brought. And when the minstrel played, uh, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And in verse number 16, uh, Elisha tells the three kings, uh, he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now, the words, make this valley full of ditches, are not exactly what you want to hear when you're in the middle of a desert, dying of thirst. Yet that's exactly what Elisha told him. Make this valley full of ditches. If you've ever dug ditches, you know it's hard work. It's especially difficult uh, when the ground is hard and dry. Here they were in a wilderness, a dry desert place, a low place. And in this place, in this low, dry desert place, the word of God spoke and said, dig ditches. It was hard work. It was slow and difficult work. And no doubt their hands were bleeding, their backs were sore, uh, their arms were aching, their shoulders were aching. Uh, and to top it all off, they were already extremely thirsty. Uh, and no, the longer they dug, the more thirsty uh, uh, they became until their thirst was becoming unbearable. Uh, I'm talking to some people right now, uh, amen, who have been in that same place, uh, that low, dry place. Everything is hard. Uh, it's difficult, and it takes a great amount of effort. You have to force yourself to praise the Lord. You have to force yourself to pray. You have to force yourself to read the Bible. You have to force yourself to go to church. And it feels like you're so dry and empty. And your mind is saying this is ridiculous. And the devil is telling you it's just not worth it. The devil is telling you it's over. It's dead. It's never going to happen. Ah, those prayers you prayed are never going to be answered. You're never going to get your healing. You're never going to obtain your deliverance. You're never going to see your children, your spouse, or your loved one accept this truth. Be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to get your needs met. Hey, let me bring a little personal you're never going to get a new car. You're never going to get a new home. You, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're never going to accomplish anything for God. And when you look at your present situation and circumstances, with what you know, along with what you're feeling, the temptation is to agree with it. somebody needs to make up your mind that you're going to hold to your promise. You're going to keep on praying. You're going to keep on fasting. You're going to keep on believing. You're going to hold on to what's been preached and prophesied. You're going to hold on to the dream. You're going to hold on to the vision. And you're going to keep on digging. 
I know digging ditches is hard work. I know it's difficult. I know sometimes it doesn't make sense. I know sometimes you don't feel like it, but you just got to keep on digging, putting that shovel in the ground and get another load of dirt and fling it over your shoulder. You may be in the greatest drought season of your life and everything around you seems to be dried up. The only way to get through it is to keep on moving, keep on digging, keep on praying, keep on worshiping God, keep on sowing seed, keep on coming to church. What do you do when you're going through the fire? You just keep on digging. What do you do when you find yourself in the lion's den? You just keep on digging. What do you do when you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death? Uh, you just keep on digging. Uh, what do you do when it seems like all hope is lost? Uh, you just keep on digging. Uh, oh, God, I said you just keep on digging. Uh, oh, what do you do when you're going through hell? Uh, you just keep on digging and keep on going. Uh, amen. Uh, when you don't realize uh, is that it, when you're in that low and dry place, uh, when you're digging, your hands are blistered and bleeding, uh, you your muscles are aching and you're tired, amen, and you're sweaty, amen, and you're weary, and you got dirt in your hair, you got it in your mouth and under your fingernails, what you don't realize is you're preparing a habitation for God's blessings. I said you're preparing a habitation for the blessings of God in your life. You're preparing a place where God can and will work in your life. somebody would run right now. I wish somebody would get out of your pew. Somebody's preparing a place right now. You're preparing a habitation for God. You're the one. You're the one that determines how deep and how wide God's provision are. You're the one that determines how much of his glory, how much of his anointing uh, are going to be in your life. Uh, you are creating the capacity to receive a greater power, a greater anointing, uh, and a greater blessing than you have ever had in your life. Uh, oh, I know the devil meant it to kill you. Uh, I know he meant it to drive you out of the church. Uh, I know... I feel the Holy Ghost. I know he meant to convince you that it was hopeless. I know it's been hard. It's been dry. And I know you feel like everybody else was throwing dirt in your face. But I've come to this pulpit today with a message. I've come to tell somebody all your digging is worth the effort. I cannot tell you how. And I cannot tell you when. But I can tell you, you are going to see the fruit of your labor. I can preach this with an assurance because Proverbs, amen, 10, 16 informs us the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. 
I can preach this. Because Hebrews 6 and 10 in part states, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name. And Galatians, Galatians 6 and 9 instructs us, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Ah, somebody's due season's coming. I said, I said, somebody's due season is coming. I can preach this because I read in the giving of the law in Leviticus chapter 26 verses 3 and 4 where God says if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them then will I give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. I'm going to stop here and say I'm not preaching hocus pocus a prosperity doctrine. God said he would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. That's the part that they they like to forget even as your soul prospers. You get in this house and you start living for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and God is going to prosper you. God, God is going to bless you. You mark it down. So I can preach with an assurance that somebody's due season is on its way. I'm preaching to somebody that's been in a spiritual drought. I'm preaching to someone who's feeling lost in the wilderness without any water. And if you've never been in a spiritual drought, then this message probably won't mean much to you. But there is somebody listening to me that's been in a dry place. It seemed like the heavens are brass and it hadn't rained for so long. Amen. And it seemed like God has moved and he didn't leave no forwarding address. But I came to preach to you that in due season, I said, in due season, the drought will break. And in the same place, I said, yes, the same place where the enemy said it's over. In the same place where the enemy said, I'm going to destroy you. In the same place where the doubters, the mockers, and the scoffers and said all of this is God's fault. In that same place where the enemy said, I'm going to destroy this church. In the same place, amen, where all hell screams out, revival will never come. Amen. In the same place where it said, hey, it's nothing but a burn over field. In the same place, oh God, I said in the same place. There's been nothing but wilderness with no water. And in the same place where the devil said it's going to end, you're going to dry up and die. In the same place where God said keep digging ditches. In the same place God says you shall not see wind. Neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that you may drink. I believe someone in this place is catching the scent of water. 
I don't think everybody understood what I just said. I said, I feel like someone in this place is smelling the scent of water. In Job chapter 14, verses 7 through 9, it tells us, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground. Yet through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Uh, did anybody catch that? Uh, just through the scent of water, uh, not the actual water or taste of water, uh, but just through the scent of it, uh, a tree will sprout again. Uh, you might not have yet seen the wind. Uh, you might have not yet seen the rain. Uh, yet this valley shall be filled with water uh, that ye may drink. Uh, oh, uh, you can't feel it. Uh, you can't see it. Uh, and you can't taste it. Uh, but somebody smells it. The scent of water is in the air. The scent of a breakthrough is in the air. The scent of miracles is in the air. I said the scent of a revival is in the air. The scent of victory is in the air. Oh, I can't see any difference yet. But I have caught the scent of water. I've caught it. I've caught it. And they can't take it from me. No wonder the devil has fought us so hard. No wonder he tried to kill us in the wilderness. He knows if we can ever get to the water, he won't have a chance. Amen. He knows if we can let our faith rise up like Jehoshaphat and get to the man of God and hear the word of God, he's not going to have a chance. I don't know how y'all do it around here. Musicians, get ready and come. We can let our faith rise up like Jehoshaphat and get to the man of God and hear the word of God. He's not going to have a chance. He couldn't see any water around anywhere. He thought you would die of thirst. He thought you'd just fold up your hands and quit. He thought you'd just throw in the towel and give up. He thought you'd just fall apart. He thought you'd have a nervous breakdown. He thought you'd get angry and resentful and bitter and critical. Uh, he thought you'd just sit down by the roadside and cry. He never counted on digging until you hit water. He never, oh God. He never counted on you digging ditches. He never counted on you becoming a ditch digger. I've come to this pulpit today to inform someone that the devil doesn't know everything. Why don't you get that out of your mind? I said the devil doesn't know everything. I said the devil doesn't know everything. Ah, the devil thought that you were shallow, that your faith was shallow, and that your praise and worship was shallow. I'll tell you what's brought me through the tough times. Praise and worship. I might have come to the church so down. I might have come to the church so depressed. And I get the praise in God. And I get the thanking Him for His goodness and His mercy. And my God, I just couldn't help myself. My hands went up in the air. Amen. And I started praising Him. I started giving Him glory. Amen. And pretty soon, I broke through. 
thought as soon as it got rough and as soon as it got hard, as soon as it got dry, you'd go running back to Egypt. The truth is I might have quit. I might have turned around. I might have thrown in the towel. I might have given up on my dreams and all of my hopes. But I've heard enough of the word of God to know this valley shall be filled with water. Just one more shovel of dirt. Just one more. I said just one more shovel of dirt. I know your muscles are sore. I know your back is aching. I know your hands are blistered, cracked, and bleeding. I know you don't feel like it. But go ahead and just take one more shovel. Just go ahead and take one more shovel of dirt. One more shout. One more thank you, Jesus. One more hallelujah. One more dance. One more march around the walls. And something's going to happen. This valley shall be filled with water. Somebody needs to lift your hand and start praising God. Before I do, I want to inform you as to why God sent the water to these three kings. Why he's going to send water to you. Let me rephrase that. Why he sent water to the three kings. Why he's going to send water to us. It's not just because you're thirsty. It's not just because you're dry. That's just the beginning. Verses 18 and 19 of our text. I love this verse. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Midianite Moabites also into your hand. He shall smite every fence city every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop all the wells of water that mar every good piece of land with stones. That's what this is all about. God said, now you're going to be chasing the thing that was chasing you. You're going to go into the enemy's camp. You're going to knock down his walls, stop up his wells, and set people free. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's some of you here in this place that need to be set free. I'm telling you, uh, the power of God is here to set you free. I said the power of God is here. I wouldn't wait for an altar call. I'd come up right now. I'd come up and let the man of God pray over you. The devil didn't want you to hear this message, but it's too late. I said, it's too late. You've heard the word of God. You're not going to die in the wilderness. This valley shall be filled with water. Now it's up to you to respond. Are you going to be a ditch digger? I'll give you glory. I'll give you praise. Because my enemies did not triumph. I'll give you glory. I'll give you praise. Because my enemies 